Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. If you uh, haven't picked it up already, we're working through a series called Work Matters, looking at some of the people in the Bible and their workplaces. And uh, at Windsor Road, we have a keen focus on faith work integration or life on the front lines. And we've looked at a few characters and, and tra- sought to discern from those characters some things that we can take and use in our lives. This morning we come to King David, who is probably the, he's the most important character in the Old Testament, based just purely on the number of words that are written about him. He's obviously very, very important. Uh, and because there is so much written about David, this, this man who lived in Israel about 3,000 years ago, we can actually see something of his vocational life, his his work life, the various things that he was called to be during his life. And that's what we're going to focus on this morning. There's probably more than this, but we're going to look at four vocations, four front lines where this man named David lived and worked. So you see, first of all, his first vocation was that of a shepherd. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to look a bit from uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, where we, we find out about two of David's vocations. Uh, in this chapter. Uh, so the, the background was that Israel had just become a, a nation really and the first king was King Saul uh, and, but he wasn't, things weren't going so well and so God sent uh, David, uh, sent Samuel, the, the Lord's his prophet, to go and choose a new king and he went to the man named Eli and uh, he was told that one of his sons was the new king. And so we pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 6. When they arrived, uh, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. So obviously he was a big guy or or something about him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass before in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Huh. There is, is still the youngest, Jesse announced. He's tending the sheep. In those days, the, the family structure was very clear that the firstborn son was what it was all about. He was the heir, the la- he got the largest share. He was the one who took over authority of the family and so on. And so Jesse brings the eldest son first. But it's not him because God doesn't look at the outward appearance, what would seeming to be the best person for the king. God looks at the heart. And the, the six sons pass before him and then finally says, well, there is one more, the little scrawny one, the, the, the runt of the litter, the, the least important. He's out tending the sheep. Uh, shepherds were not highly esteemed in, in those cultures. They were the, if you were a shepherd, that was the job that nobody else wanted to do. But it was a, a job that involved a lot of loneliness. The 
Israel was uh, the land was pretty desolate now, but even by yeah, the first century BC or the first millennium BC, it was already beginning to be degraded by thousands of years of human civilization. The best land was reserved for farming, agriculture, growing crops. The next best land, which was the, the ragged hills, the, the rocky outcrops, the, the less, the more remote land, was for the sheep. And so the life of the shepherd involved being out in the countryside a long way from your home, day after day, caring for, for these sheep. And uh, it was quite a, a time of solitude. He would have probably been by himself for a lot of that time. But not only was it perhaps boring and menial and uh, a lonely work, it was also a dangerous work. In those days, there were actually lions in the Middle East. They've all been extinct now for many hundreds of years, but uh, there was lions. And the other big problem was bears that would come and attack the sheep. And the other thing was humans. Uh, cattle rustling, uh, sheep rustling went on and if you were a, a boy out with a flock of sheep you were very vulnerable to thieves or bandits who would come along and, and seek to steal the sheep. And so a shepherd not only had a lonely life, it was a dangerous life. And it appears that, that David over this time became quite good at war, at, at fighting. Uh, when he is going to fight Goliath, which we're going to talk about in a minute, he, he says to, to Saul, Saul, I have been, I've fought the lion, I've fought the bears, protecting my sheep. I have killed these animals with my bare hands. And so the life that, that David lived as a shepherd, his first vocation, we can see two things from it. One is he took it very seriously. He was willing to lay down his life for his sheep. I don't know about you, if a bear or a lion came after the sheep, I would say they can look after themselves. But David got stuck into them. David killed the bear, killed the lion, defending his sheep. He was willing to lay down his life for his, his flock. He took his work very seriously. But it was also a spiritual activity for David. We're going to talk about his writing of Psalms in a minute, but his most famous Psalm, perhaps, is Psalm 23. And do you remember how it opens? The Lord is my shepherd. And, and David's experience of being a shepherd enabled him to understand his relationship with God or to understand the character of God. And, and, and we've got no evidence of this, but I like to speculate that on those dark, lonely nights, those fear-filled nights, when, when David was out laying in the fields, he looked up at the stars and he said, the Lord is my shepherd, looking down over me. Look at all the stars up there. What is it, God, that you would have mind for somebody like me when you are the creator of this world and so on? And so for David, it was a serious task, but it was also a spiritual task, his first vacation as a shepherd. But he had a second calling, that of a musician. And we can pick this up again from 1 Samuel 16. Verse 11, send him, Samuel said, send him to me. Uh, David, you know, David's out looking after the sheep. Uh, we will not arrive, we'll not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Arise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David, and then Samuel then went to Ramah. Verse 14, now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord 
tormented him. Now, there's some puzzling passages in the Bible, aren't there? And this is one of those. And I wish I could give you a simple answer as to what it was that there was spirit that tormented the Saul, but I've got no idea. So let's just move on. Verse 15. Saul's attendant said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to teach, to search for someone who can play the liar. He will play when the evil, he will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have, a, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is fine looking. Don't you hate him? And the Lord is with him. Verse 19. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey. This is interesting. He's been anointed as the next king of Israel. Yep, straight back out in the fields and go look after the sheep again, David. So Jesse took a donkey and loaded with bread, a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and he entered his service. Saul liked him very much and David became one of his armour bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the Spirit from God came on David, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. So it appears that David played the lyre, and he played it, he learnt it and practised it, presumably as he was out with the sheep in the, in the lonely places. And uh, he, it, it sounds like he was a good singer as well, of course. Uh, he, he described as the sweet psalmist or the sweet singer of, of Israel in other parts of the, of the Old Testament. And he was a prolific writer and he, uh, we, we have 75 of his songs in the book of Psalms. And uh, they're beautiful pieces of literature. Even if, you know, if it wasn't a holy book, they would be recognised as some of the great writings of human, human history beautiful poems on topics about life you know there's stuff there about you know what to do when you're when you're running away from your son who's trying to kill you uh there, there's there's psalms about being sick there's psalms about the the mark you know i don't know if that's a david one but certainly the, some of the psalms about feeling distant from god and how you can can get close to god again there's a psalm there about what to do when you rape a woman and kill her husband and get found out it's, it's just this rich collection of beautiful poems and words that can bless our lives and came from the hand of this shepherd and in his second vocation as a composer, a singer and a musician. But David was also a warrior. And for some of us, we might think it's incompatible that you could be a poet and a singer and a composer, but also be a warrior. But David fit the two together perfectly, as indicated by some of his psalms. So, for example, Psalm 144. Blessed be the Lord my rock, that sounds okay, we can relate to that, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. 
Perhaps you've read over that before and it hasn't struck you what Paul or David is actually saying there. He's saying that God is the one who trains him to kill people. God is the one who helps him develop the skill in his fingers that enables him to work a sword or a bow or to hurl a slingshot. In uh, 2 Samuel, I'll read it for you, but you can look it up if you like. David extols this idea of the way that God works with him as a warrior through uh, these words in 2 Samuel 22, verse 35 to 37. He says, He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. It's a steel bow, it's a metaphor. You make your saving help my shield. Oh, you, you make your saving help my shield. Your help has made me great. You provide a firm path for my feet so that my ankles do not give way. I pursued my enemies and crushed them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them completely and they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You humbled my adversaries before me. You made my enemies take their backs in flight I destroyed you and destroyed my foes. They cried for help, but there was no one to save them. To the Lord, but he did not answer. And get this. I beat them as fine as the dust of the earth. I pounded and trampled them like mud in the streets. This David was a nasty chap. He was a, a brutal chap. He was a warrior who killed and took delight in it. Have you considered the story of David and Goliath, which follows on immediately from chapter 16, which we, we've got there? This is a boy, a teenager, who has developed proficiency with the, with the slingshot. Now, we might uh, think when we read David had a slingshot and shot the stone at, at uh, Goliath, that it was sort of one of those Y-shaped things, you know, and the David was a little pebble, you know. Pew. Uh, that's not what it was. Uh, David arrives with stones that he's picked. They're probably smooth and big. Uh, it's hard to tell how big they were, but they weren't pebbles, that's for sure. And his slingshot is a, a, a length of leather. It's a leather strap, like, a bit like a belt, slightly wider. And the boys would wrap it into through their fingers so one end of it through two of their fingers the other end through the other two fingers and they would hurl it and get the speed up and then with great skill they would release one of their fingers and the stone would hurl at enormous speed david runs from home to kill this guy he goes into battle he runs towards him he needs just one stone then he cuts the guy's head off. I love this picture up in the top, just behind David there. You can see the guy's going, he's cutting his head off. He takes Goliath's sword and uses it as his weapon and carries the head and takes it back to his king to show how sweetly he's done the job. A little bit later, David, they write a song about David. Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his tens of thousands. Several points in the Old Testament, he's described as a man of blood. When the temple comes to be built, even God says, 
you've shed too much blood. You cannot build my temple. We get a bit concerned about young boys these days playing with computer video games, you know, and maybe they're going to develop violent tendencies at a young age. We don't know how David Wilde was, 14, 15. He was a killer from that age. And for the next 55 years, he killed, he led bandits of men, he led armies that destroyed nations. And all the way through it, David recognised that his skill as a killer and as a military leader came from God and was God working through him to achieve his purposes. This guy called Corey Capps is a, a military chaplain in the US and he demonstrates the way that Paul, David, saw his military life as a spiritual activity. He sought God before battle. He relied on God in the midst of battle. He gave God the credit at the end of the battle and he knew the victory did not come from numbers, technology or expertise, but from the hand of God. And we might look at David's life and go, I don't know how you could justify doing some of the things you did. And I reckon David looked at some of the things that he did as a soldier and looked back at with, with regrets and, and guilt. But we can see clearly that David recognised that his vocation as a soldier was God's calling upon his life. And that God called him and equipped him and trained him to be a soldier. And it was a spiritual activity, just like being a shepherd and being a musician was a spiritual activity. Uh, Corey Capps sums it up as this. David's perspective on war combines realism with faith. He did not downplay the dread of war or minimise its fallout. He was honest about combat's impact on his soul, his family and his colleagues. At the same time, he infused his view of war with faith and spirituality. His training, pre-war rituals, experience in combat and post-war practices were all executed before the face of God. This interface of realism and faith produced a rugged, resilient warrior. David's final vocation was that of politician. Because he was so good at fighting and leading arms, armies, he became king. That was often the way it went in those days. And he was very good as, as a king and as a politician. He expanded the nation of Israel to its largest ever expanse. It was only ever a, a small nation and by the end of his reign it had spread right up through, through Syria. But the other thing he did was to unite the 12 tribes of Israel. Perhaps we, we think that Israel was a fairly unified uh, nation, but it wasn't. Uh, in fact, it probably is a bit like Australia during lockdown. Okay, so we've got uh, these states and territories, and we're all supposed to be one nation, but the borders are closed, and there's lots of narky, snarky little texts going between the premiers uh, all of the time. So it's a bit like that was the nation of, of Israel, 12 loosely tribes. But by the end of David's reign, he had unified them and brought them together. And one of the key things he did with that was making Jerusalem the capital, uh, of having a, a, a neutral capital. Again, taking Australia as the example, when the, the six colonies 
uh, that were made up Australia about the turn of the, 19th, the 20th century uh, got together trying to federate to form a country, one of the big issues of controversy was where was the capital going to be? The New South Wales colony assumed it was going to be Sydney and the Victorian colony assumed it was going to be Melbourne and this was a major stumbling block. And, and right up until the end, it was, there was tension as to whether the, the nation would actually federate and form one nation until somebody had the bright idea of let's choose somewhere roughly halfway between Sydney and Melbourne and put the capital there. Uh, it just so happened to land in the most desolate, cold, godless place in the nation. But uh, it, it, it's an, it was a great political solution to, to put the, the capital in Canberra. And that's a bit like what David did. Jebus, uh, Jerusalem was just a small Jebusite city. It wasn't a Hebrew city at all, but it was beautifully positioned right on the border between the largest tribe of the south, Judah, and the northern tribes of Israel. And it was a brilliant, the historians look back and say it was a brilliant political decision to do that. But David wasn't just about politics. David was about faith. And the first thing he did after establishing the city in Jerusalem was to bring the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. So the Ark of the Covenant was a big gold box which had the Ten Commandments and a few other bits and pieces in it. And it was out on a farm somewhere. And, and one of the great spiritual things David did for Israel was to have the, the Ark of the Covenant brought back in Jerusalem. In great fanfare, David out dancing in front, big celebration. And it marked that Israel was one nation and it was going to have one God, the one true God, Yahweh. And it, it centralised and, and brought together the faith of Israel. So David had a four, at least four vocations and in all four of them he realised that God had called him for that vocation and that God was working through him in that vocation. God had called him to be a shepherd and he was going to do his very best to be a good shepherd because that's what God had called him to. But he also recognised God was working through that situation to grow his relationship with him. God was called to be a musician. David was called to be a musician. And so he chose to be the best musician he possibly could. And we can clearly see that God worked through that calling in our own Bibles because we have 75 of David's songs with us. Incredibly, from our perspective, God also called David to be a warrior. And David recognised that God called him to be a warrior and worked through him in his soldiering life. And finally, David even was called to be a politician. God called him to be a politician. God called him to be a ruler and a leader and work through him to achieve his purposes in the world. And of course, David was the ancestor of the one who has truly fulfilled every human vocation, every calling. Jesus was the perfect shepherd, the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus created music, created everything beautiful and it's now taken and used in the worship, the fitting worship of, of Jesus. That Jesus was the great warrior who killed Satan, defeated Satan on the cross and won the victory for us. And of course Jesus is now the great king, the great ruler establishing his kingdom throughout the world. So David is a great example for us whatever our vocations are. To live with the realisation that whatever you are doing on your front line, 
God has called you into that place. I don't know if we've got any soldiers or, polit- or uh, police or people who, who exercise authority here, but perhaps this is so relevant for you. In the, in the, in the, God has called you to a place where you will exercise authority on his heart behalf in order to work out his purposes of protecting his people in that context. Now, there's a whole lot of other stuff to, to work through on that. But it was true for David and it's true for you as well. And it's true for whatever you have been called to. However distasteful it is, however remote it is, how seemingly unimportant it is, how lowly it seems to be, God has called you to that and he is working through you to achieve his purposes in that vocation. And the second thing is we don't have to be perfect at it. Jesus fulfilled these vocations perfectly, but one of the beauties of the Bible is that the heroes are never painted artificially. There's lots of histories being written of ancient figures, particularly ancient kings. And in those biographies of those ancient kings, you never see the imperfections of that king. They're always portrayed as perfect. That's what it was all about. They were about you know, promoting their own image in posterity. So they wrote it so they never made a mistake and they never did anything wrong. So I love the beauty of the Bible that every character is portrayed with their faults as well. And you've only got to read through the book of da- look at the history of David to see he was nowhere near perfect. But God still used him. And you don't have to be perfect in your workplace. You don't have to be perfect on your front line, in your family, wherever it is that you are ministering on your front line. You don't have to be perfect. But God can still call you to that role and work through you for his glory. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the example of David. We thank you that he did his calling, he fulfilled his calling well, that he was willing to be sacrificed in whatever role you called him to so that he could serve you and your people. And we pray, Lord, that we will be able to follow in his, his footsteps. We thank you for our Lord Jesus, who is the great fulfiller of every human vocation. But we recognise and in your grace, we, we thank you that even though we are not perfect, you still love us and accept us and we're still able to serve you in whatever way you've called us to. So we thank you for this, this example of David and this, this message of encouragement. And we pray that as we go to our front lines this week, we will be spiritually recognising your calling and that you are working through us in each and every situation. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.